Hello, my friend. I'm so glad that you could take a few minutes and join us for part number three of our current series called Access, The Walk of the Spirit. And the primary truth of this study is to reveal that in order for us to have communion with God or to access the many promises that He has given to us in His Word is not going to be the results of great efforts of our flesh or of our mind, but rather if we are going to know God and fellowship with Him and access the 32,000 promises that He has given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, it is going to be the results of learning how to walk in the Spirit. Remember this, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are a spirit created in the image and in the likeness of God. You have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, and you live within a body, which is your house or your dwelling place while you are here in this physical earth. One of the privileged responsibilities that we have as the creation of God in His image and in His likeness is a privileged responsibility that no other part of God's creation has. And that divine given ability is this. You and I, as often as we feel like we need to or would like to, have the ability to step back and to look at our own lives objectively. Objectively means self-honesty. It means that we can investigate our own condition outside of circumstances, situations, feelings, emotions, words, relationships, all of that. We have the ability, and I say this word intentionally, great responsibility to consider why we do what we do. Many people avoid looking at themselves objectively because they perhaps are afraid of what they're going to discover, or maybe they're concerned that they would become ashamed, or whatever it may be. But one of the most profound and powerful things that you can do in order to better your life, but also to enrich your relationship with God and following His plan for your life, is to look at your life honestly, objectively, and consider the condition of who the Bible calls your inner man. Let's say it this way. We have the personal responsibility. A pastor can't do this for you. Uh, your, your spouse or a friend can't do this for you. God himself cannot do this for you. But we, you and I need the outcome or the opportunity to consider the condition of our own heart. Because if there are things that need to be removed or things that need to be put into place. We're responsible for the condition that we live in, in the spirit. The condition of your spirit or the health of your inner man, your heart, determines greatly your relationship with God, how you treat other people, the perspective and perception that you walk in in this world. And so that's why I believe uh, the writer of Proverbs said, 
protect your heart at all cost, for out of it flows the very issues of life. Let's look at Proverbs 18.14, where in the Amplified Translation, the Bible says, The strong spirit of a man, that's his inner man, sustains him, even in bodily pain or through trouble. But a weak and a broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? One translation says, a weak or broken, deficient spirit cannot lift anything. But friend, when your spirit is strong, you have fed it the word, the promises of God. You've enriched its faith. You have communed with God, spirit to spirit. When your spirit is strong, even through bodily pain, through trouble, through trauma, through emotional strain, whatever it may be, the strong spirit of a man, God uses it to sustain you and to bring you through, not only surviving what you're dealing with, but more than probable, making you all the stronger for it as well. So to have a strong spirit or a broken and what the Bible here calls a weak spirit, it would be really good to know what is the condition of my heart? What is the present condition of my spirit? Am I strong or am I weak? Am I rich in faith or am I overwhelmed in fear, concern, worry, or whatever it may be? So in this consideration of looking at our, our heart objectively with self-honesty to consider what is our heart's condition, I found that there are three primary ways that you can discern the health or the condition of your own spirit man, your own heart. First of all, it would be in considering your motives. No one can do this for you. Someone may come along and think they know what your motives are or suggest what your motives may be. But friend, only you have the capacity with the help of God's spirit and word to determine the answer to this question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Am I doing it because I'm angry, I'm bitter? Am I doing it to please other people? Or am I doing it because I love God and I want my life to bring honor to His name? Whatever it may be, one of the very revealing characteristics of a healthy heart is that you live your life and conduct yourself with motives that are in agreement with God's character, his word, and his plan for your life. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Again, I'm going to read from the Amplified Translation because uh, it really gives us some good insight as to how powerful God's word in working with his spirit can accomplish some things deep within our hearts. So Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word that God speaks, it's alive and it's full of power making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, soul, and the immortal spirit. In other words, he's saying the Word of God has the ability to discern and help you see the difference between your soul, your mortal man, or your natural man, and your immortal part, which is your spirit, your, your inner man. 
It has the ability to cut to the joints and the marrow of the deepest parts of our nature. Now listen to this. The Word of God exposes and sifts and analyzes judging the very thoughts and the purposes of our hearts. And so when you give place to the Word of God, not from mental assent or just from physically with your natural eyes reading words on a page, but opening your heart objectively to the Holy Spirit and saying, Lord, help me understand why am I doing what am I what I'm doing? Why do I treat this person that way and treat this person that way? Why do I conduct my habits the way that I do? What are my divine motives? Then it is possible in those moments of commune with communing with God that he can give clarity as to perhaps motives that are not pleasing to him, even perhaps destructive, but also helping you to understand where the motives that please him come from. I could say it this way. Every motive of why you do what you do that pleases God is going to be motivated by love. Love for God, love for people, love for yourself. But love is the divine motive that is behind a heart that longs to not only be healthy, but please God and fulfill His divine plan for your life. Let your motive of life be loved. Secondly, if you want to objectively consider the health of your heart and the status of your spirit presently, then you need to listen carefully, objectively, self-honestly, to the words that come out of your mouth. Words are not flippant. They're, they're not minor infractions that we can, as the children of God, just say whatever we want to say. No, words have not begun within our own minds. Here's what I mean by that. Words that eventually make their way out of our mouths have been put in place in our lives and have somehow reached our hearts. Jesus said it this way, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's very simple then. You can see the condition of your heart by the words that come out of your mouth. As a matter of fact, let me read from Matthew chapter, uh, this is chapter 12. And Jesus is talking pretty strong language here, but he gives us some tremendous insight as to the profound importance of the words that are coming out of our mouth. Here in Matthew 12, verse 34, he's actually talking to the Pharisees uh, presently, but again, we can glean a tremendous amount of, of help and wisdom here. He said, you are a brood of vipers. How can you, being evil, speak good things? That is a question that I oftentimes like to turn around on myself and say, you being a child of God, how can you speak evil things? You being born of the spirit of love, saved by love, 
now empowered and motivated by love, how is it that evil things or bitter things or destructive things can still come out of my mouth? Well, again, our words are revealing the condition or the health of our spirit man. So he goes on to say this in verse 35, a good man or a righteous man out of the good treasure of his heart will bring forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. So I thought it was interesting, this word that Jesus uses he's, as our heart. He said, out of the, the treasure of his heart. In other words, he looks at our words as things that we have found things that we have captured, and things that we have hidden away. That's what we do with treasure. And actually, the, the word here for treasure that he uses in the Greek is the word, it may sound familiar to you, it's called thesaurus. It's where we get our word thesaurus, which is a treasure of words or a collection of words. Remember what I said, that words that eventually find their way out of our mouths, they didn't just begin in our brain. You didn't invent that word more than likely. The words that we use are words that we heard somewhere else, words that we found, we captured them, and we hid them away as treasures in our hearts. And Jesus said the, the evil man, he intentionally finds evil words, words that, that cause other people pain, words that destroy, words that pierce, words that cut. And he, he capture, captures them and he hides them away so that he can use them for evil or destruction whenever it is that he intends to. And out of the abundance of his heart, he brings forth those evil, destructive words. Well, in that same fashion, we as the children of God, considering the condition and the health of our hearts, we hear words. We hear words of life and death. We hear words of peace and chaos. We hear words of wrath and anger and words of resolution and restoration and grace. We must choose which of those words are we going to capture and hide away in our hearts as treasure or add to the collection of our words, our thesaurus, so that at the right time, when the pressure is on and, and we're shaken, uh, what comes out are words of life, words of blessing, words of peace. Even though we have heard words of destruction, and division and bitterness, we have chosen not to allow those words to become our treasure. We treasure the words that please God. Remember, he goes on to say in Proverbs 14, we uh, didn't, didn't look at it earlier, but he said, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and we eat the fruit of what we say. It's very, very important to know that we are responsible, not only, of course, for the words that we speak, but we're responsible for the words that we collect, that we treasure and hide away, knowing that at some point when the pressure's on, those words are going to come out of our mouth, revealing the condition of our hearts. I remember when I was growing up, just a, a, a young boy, and 
I don't know, maybe something that my brother or sister did to me or said to me, set me off and boy, I let them have it. And I was using the collection of words that I had when I was that young and, you know, probably wasn't all, all that uh, articulate, but I made it clear that I was very angry and I wanted to hurt them with my words. Well, I remember my, my sweet mom came and sat me down and gave me some clear understanding. And I had seen her use this illustration before in some of her teachings of children's groups, but she made it really clear. She put a glass in front of me and she uh, asked me to fill it up with water. And I did, and she asked me the question that I'm sure uh, either you have been asked before or you know what's coming. Arthur, when you are jostled carrying this glass of water and something spills out, what do you think spills out? Well, it's obvious. Water spills out, and I know that this is uh, tremendously simple, but the reality is that whatever I put in, if I had filled the glass with milk or with orange juice or soda pop, whatever it might have been, whatever I had decided to fill the glass with, when I'm bumped, when I'm jostled, when I'm disturbed, that is what is going to spill out of my life into the lives of others. And so, I believe that it is a divine privileged opportunity that we do not have to accept into our hearts every word that comes along and passes through our natural ears. We hear those words. We read those words. We may uh, be around people that constantly use words of destruction and bitterness and despair and fear. But we do not have to collect those words for our own use. We find the words for our thesaurus in the words that bring life and blessing, build faith and freedom and the truth that God himself has given us here in his living word. Again, the words that come out of your mouth, they reveal in self-honesty the condition of your heart. So if you want to look at the condition of your heart, if you're brave enough to say, I want to know what is the present condition of my spirit man, then you're going to have to consider your motives. Let the Spirit of God reveal why it is you're doing what it is you're doing. Listen to the words that are coming out of your mouth. Again, they are not flippant. They're not small. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wanted to read perhaps one other scripture for us, if I can put my, my finger on it here. It, the, the word that I'm thinking of, it says that the words of man are a deep well. What that means is words don't just fly around a child of God simply and innocently as though they don't matter for us. If they do, then you need to grow spiritually and realize how powerful the words of your mouth are. Jesus said we are going to be held responsible literally for every idle word that we speak. So the words of our mouths, they run deeper than that. Make sure that the thesaurus that you have in the treasure of your heart are words that bring life and blessing and please the heart of God. Thirdly and lastly, to objectively consider the, the condition of your heart, you need to consider 
the meditations of your mind and heart? Why are you thinking about what you're thinking about? What do you set your mind upon on a regular basis? Now, of course, I'm, I'm not talking about a thought that just comes in and uh, tries to make its way into your mind or your, your heart. We all have thoughts and ideas that, that the enemy oftentimes brings, but we are to cast those ideas down. Every thought that comes into our minds, we are to bring to the captivity of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, literally meaning surrender every thought, surrender every meditation to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the standard, the integrity of His Word. And if your thoughts do not agree with God's word or they are not pleasing to his heart, the Bible says, cast them away. I often hear myself praying from my spirit, Satan, be gone and take your thoughts with you. See, he'll, he'll bring thoughts to see if you're susceptible. Can he sow the seed of a thought that might become an idea that works into an imagination that works into a stronghold and pretty soon it becomes an action and that action even has the ability to become a habit and destroy lives so we we habits didn't just happen habits were a stronghold a stronghold was an idea an idea was a thought that was just passing through that you decided to to, to lay a hold of and allowed to go into to the soil of your heart. So we have this capacity that when these thoughts come, is that thought pleasing to God or grieving to God? Is this thought truthful? Is it motivated in love? Is it going to produce words that uh, bring life and blessing to others and honor to, to God? Whatever it may be, you have the ability to step back. You can't look at anyone else's motives. I mean, you can, but you can't discern exactly what their motives are. You don't always understand why they've gathered the words that they've gathered, and you certainly cannot discern what other people are meditating on and thinking on, but you can take that responsibility for yourself, especially if you want your spirit to be strong and sustain you in the time of trouble uh, or even bodily pain or trauma, whatever it may be. The strong spirit, the healthy spirit of a man, God will use it to sustain you, not only to bring you through it, but very likely to make you even stronger by it. One of the keys is looking into the meditations of your mind and your heart. When those thoughts come, consider it. Don't just allow yourself to run off in what we call a train of thought. I've often thought about, you know, where we end up in life is often uh, the result of the train of thought we boarded. Whatever that train of thought is, it has a destination. You need to make sure, well, I need to make sure that the train of thought that I get on is headed in the destination that is ordained by the Lord of my life, Jesus Christ, and His plan and purpose for me. I, I remember uh, when I was growing up as well, learning about how thoughts work. Not only, of course, that age-old uh, adage of you cannot keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. That's one of the uh, proverbs. If you, It's not a proverb in the Bible. It's an old proverb of, of truth that uh, we've all 
probably heard before. We see birds overhead. You, you can't keep birds, whether they're beautiful or whether they're, they're buzzards waiting for something to die from flying over your head, but you can keep them from taking place and, and possessing parts of your, of your life and your, your, your thoughts. But when someone considers how thoughts present themselves, sometimes you can just look at it like someone knocking on the door. You go to the door and there is the thought. There is the idea. Sometimes I catch myself boarding a train of thought before I even considered what the thought process was. This is one of the things I believe that the Holy Spirit can help us with, especially the more time you spend in the Word, that the weapons of His warfare are mighty. They are powerful to pull down strongholds, imaginations, and ideas. As well, when you put on the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the sword of the Spirit, and so forth, when those thoughts come... You, you don't just go with them. I, I, I still do it. I'm growing myself. I don't know of anyone who has reached perfection in this. But we can all improve in the process whereby we allow thoughts to germinate and become imaginations and strongholds, either strongholds for destruction or strongholds for life and blessing, habits that bring honor to God as we pursue His, His plan for our lives. We all have the ability to objectively consider our thoughts but it takes some effort to do so. But it's profound in its results. When we consider someone knocking at the door, you know, that, that person does not have the right or the privilege to just come into your house unless they've already been uh, welcomed and planned and maybe it's a family member or maybe it's just the thoughts that you know. These are thoughts that I have welcomed regularly that please God. Other thoughts, new thoughts, certainly concerning thoughts, they need to be held in check at that door and you have the authority over your own life to either let that thought in or just slam the door in its face and say, no, I will not take that up. That is not pleasing to God. That is not good for my spirit. That is not going to produce words that bring life and blessing to others. I resist those thoughts and I will not give place to them. When you want to know, you've taken the, the step and said, I want to understand what is the condition of my own heart? What is the condition of my inner man? Then there are three things that you need to look at very closely. Look at your motives. Why are you doing what you're doing? Be sure that you allow the Spirit of God to bring the ultimate motive of the conduct of your life to agape, His love that has been given to you by His own Spirit deep within your heart. Secondly, listen closely and consider 
the words of your mouth. What words are you allowing to become your treasure? What are you intentionally holding on to, hiding away in your heart so that at the right time when you're jostled or, or you're disturbed or you are just looking for an opportunity to be a blessing, what words can you withdraw from your collection of words and your thesaurus, your, tre your treasury? And then lastly, consider what are the meditations of your heart and your mind? What is it that you are allowing yourself to meditate upon? Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Certainly as a man thinks in his heart, Consistently, so he becomes. It's very, very important what you allow your mind to think about and to look at and to consider and imaginations and things that uh, evolve and then revolve around the thoughts of your mind. Allow every thought that comes to bring, be brought to the captivity of the Lordship of Jesus Christ so that your meditations are pleasing to the Lord and enriching to your inner man. The strong spirit of a man will sustain him, not only in bodily pain, but through trouble, through anguish, through trauma. But the weak spirit, that frail spirit, that has not been enriched, sustained, protected, and taken good care of, how can it lift anything? It's as though you go to lift up that heavy load and there's just no strength there. Certainly call for others. Let others help you, but learn too how to feed your inner man so that you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God bless you, my friend. I'm so glad that you're a part of this study. We're going to take it up next uh, next lesson in this series, and we're going to consider a little bit further how the strong spirit of a man will see you through even great times of trouble. I hope you'll join us. God bless you.